0: Fires burning, fires burning, draw nearer, draw nearer. In the glowing, in the glowing, come sing and be merry. I'm Ian Shanahan.
1: And I'm Jade Harvey-Beryl.
0: And welcome to our Fireside Chat.
1: Hello and welcome to Earthy Chat's Fables from the Field. This is our summer sub-series of Earthy Chats, where we're going to talk about our favourite outdoor learning equipment and resources as we share stories of our outdoor adventures, and sometimes mishaps,
0: out in the field. And I think there's also problem solving in the process of making those observations, and especially recording it, either in notes or drawings is much like in poetry, as you're capturing the essence, you're deciding which part will I keep, which part will I not keep. If you're doing a sketch of a mammal, are you gonna keep the background? If so, why? How much? Is it just a suggestion of the background? For notes, if you're looking at a beetle or a firefly. I'm fairly honest,
1: So I think everybody's been in that situation where somebody's asked you to draw something and you know, oh, I'm I'm not a good artist. Well, I don't know if that's ever come out of your mouth, Ian, because you definitely are. Um, But I feel like my life, (laughs) it's true. My life has been punctuated by moments of uh, feeling inadequate in my art skills. Uh, and my husband actually says, no, you, he calls it a youthful naivety to my, to my <laughs> art, which means that I draw like a child. Uh, but one of the biggest things that, I mean, I did a geography de- degree. All we did was go on field trips and, and write in notebooks. The field notebook the recording of the environment that you're in at a moment is so integral to everybody that I know that does field work. Every scientist I know, every every ecologist, biologist, it's like at the very core of what they do, and it's just a, it's a special thing to have.
0: Yeah, it's timeless, and I don't think it's going to go away because holding a pencil, holding a pencil pen, any kind of writing utensil is different from writing notes on a screen and i know you can get writing utensils now that you can write onto a digital screen and it mimics the experience of writing and drawing and and that's great i mean that i'm not gonna dump on digital tech you know we just did a podcast with talking with green teachers about mobile gaming so it, you know my mind is 100 percent open to all these things but i still think we're going to see people using pencil and paper notebooks and being able to flip through the notes and see recordings of geological landforms or the insects that you found during a bio blitz to me like I think the aesthetic of a well-used field notebook is just incredible like I would go to a museum just to look at different field notebooks of like this is you know somebody's stream study this is somebody who went on a glaciology trip like I would spend all day there Easy.
1: Absolutely, absolutely, and there was—I went to a, an exhibition of hokusai, the Japanese block printing. Oh, There's yeah, a very famous wave with the f- sea foam, like quite colourful. Yep. Don't know what century, but several hundred years ago, and everyone's drawn to these really big, colourful paintings. But I was drawn to this little glass case where they had a bunch of field notebooks from the artist of his sketches of waves and his sketches of trees of the cherry blossom and other species uh native to japan and everyone else is yeah really drawn by these very famous things and i'm looking at these intricate and that was all done with pen and ink but i'm a pencil gal because yeah. i'd spend a lot of the time with writing the rain books which you know as a brand goes they're fantastic and i also print on their paper if i have to give handouts and we're going to spend any mm-hmm. number of time outside but yes i was always told a pencil because you can erase and and do things but oh, the feeling as well like the nostalgia the the charm of a battered like i have a, like a leather case that goes yeah. around so i just fill up loads of smaller and like Right in the reins, and it fits in this leather case. Actually, my sister-in-law made out of reclaimed leather, and it's got um, a little grey owl on the front, like mm. uh, of other reclaimed leather stuck to it. And that's my that's my cover. But the joy, oh gosh, I can't. I you have to speak because otherwise I'll just go off on a tangent for about twenty minutes about how how much I love field notebooks.
0: <laughs> the other thing about pencil, even compared to pen, is that it leaves an actual imprint. Like it, it's a three dimensional mark that it leaves on the page, which can show the history of notes. So, if you're doing a sketch, for example, you know, maybe you're looking at a moose and you're, you're sketching it feeding in a lake. And your first sketch, you're like, oh, I didn't quite get the proportions right. And you erase it and you redo the sketch. But the imprint of your initial sketch is still there. And I love the aesthetic of that. And I mean, I could go on now about field sketching and. I almost prefer artists' raw sketches from in the field to their finished works. I find, Mm. and this is, you know, not painting them all with the same brush, but the finished works don't seem to have the soul and life of those in-the-moment sketches, even if the sketches are totally unfinished. And if there's, they're more of a suggestion as opposed to like every single strand of fur or feather. Uh Oh, now now I'll let you talk because I could go on about field sketching. (laughs) I know,
1: we're about to nerd out hard. This episode was supposed to be 20 minutes, but in fact, it's 60 minutes of us waxing lyrical about people drawing. I mean, (laughs) my favorite university professor, Dr. Simon Carr, although Yat Vandermeer is also good. I love you both, but anyway, Simon was a hes a glaciologist climatologist and his field sketchbook was oh gosh I'd pay money for it I'd pay more mm. money than the art that you know exists out there and they were so intricate and I was used to look at them I said well look, mine's never going to look like that because what we were driving mean, was was glacial post-glacial landforms right or mountainous regions and on most of my field trips because my geography degree we I we had a very glaciological department so we spent a lot of mm-hmm. time looking at that and he said just just start he said just start with a with a you know sketch the the ridge line and then fill in like oh okay there's that rather large shape of of that closer rock outcrop oh okay down here and on the flat there's like a little puddle like there's a pool okay just just get some outline on then you can start to think about it. And for me, I love a label because I am a word person. So labelling the different things for me, because again, I didn't feel my art was up to scratch, enabled me to give more to that. And I I do get very frustrated and I at least have a very personal way of responding to the kids of all ages who come out with me and I, I try and do a sketch Basically with every outdoor class I have, whether it's a simple young class where they just find something interesting and draw a picture of it and it takes five minutes. Or I've had, took a bunch of youth on a mountaineering trip and I was asking them to sketch the landscape that we were going to climb and basically looking for roots and using it as a sort of mapping geomorphological tool. I can't draw I can't, I. Oh, I'm bad at art, I'm this. It just, oh, it, it really breaks my heart because I actually, I felt that too. But it's all beautiful because it's an expression of, of what your eye is seeing and how your brain interprets it. There's no such thing as a bad drawing. There's no such thing as a as a poor artist. Obviously, some people are very good at drawing things that look like what they are. And I respect that. But actually, it's just getting something down on the page it's beautiful
0: and it depends on who it's for like if it's your notes for your study and your reference who cares what they look like i mean really only you care what they look like and that's totally fine hey there folks this is ian one half of the earthy Chats host team i'm just here to let you know about the talking with green teachers podcast produced by green teacher If you don't know who Green Teacher is, we are a nonprofit network of environmental educators all around the world. You can join this network for only $32 a year. That includes a subscription to our quarterly magazine, which has been running in North America since 1991. All proceeds go back into the organization to help us enhance environmental literacy among young learners. For more information, check out greenteacher.com. You can find Talking with Green Teachers wherever you get your podcasts.
1: All of the resources featured in this podcast, plus many more, for students and educators alike, can be found online at the Outdoor Learning Store. Visit www.outdoorlearningstore.ca to view what's on offer. From waterproof notepads to binoculars and dip nets to sit pads, the store has you covered to take your learning outside. In addition, there are educator resource books to help you take your outdoor education to the highest level. That's www.outdoorlearningstore.ca, We're Canada's non-profit resource store.
0: You mentioned about doing a drawing in five minutes. Putting those sorts of time limits can be a great exercise, both for note-taking and sketching, or both at the same time, because it forces you to kind of cut through the clutter. I think this is maybe even especially useful with geology, because... It's easy to get overwhelmed by like every individual tree or flower or rock. You know, if you're like looking at a talus slope, it's mm-hmm. like, how many rocks are there? There's so many rocks. But it if it's like, all right, you you only have five minutes to just capture either in words and or drawings what you see here. You're forced to not look at every rock in the talus slope and you're forced to look at the broader, the ridges and the broader patterns. And from an art perspective, sometimes the limits you put on yourself, like little tasks that you give yourself, can be so valuable. Like I saw a TED Talk once about a guy who had developed a a shake. He had some sort of nerve damage in his drawing hand. And his doctor told him, embrace the shake. That might even be the name of the TED Talk. I forget the presenter's name, but he said, yeah, you know what? That's cool. And then he came up with all kinds of other limits for these little tasks, and that opened up a whole world of opportunities. So... Yeah, I mean, sitting and sketching for multiple hours has its value. But if you're out recording what you're seeing, you probably don't have four hours to stop at each spot. So those little pockets of impressions of what you see are very special. And
1: it's analog. You know, like you said, I'm I'm big into the digital thing. I'm so yeah. pleased that we can communicate like this coast to coast, uh, basically, uh, using technology. I've always been in favor. But when I'm out there... And I sit, especially for me, I don't know if the listeners can get an impression of the kind of human that I am, but I go at a million miles an hour and I never (laughs) stop. And I'm always, I like to walk with purpose. So sometimes on, if I'm on like a recreational hike or something, I spot the objective and I just race there and I have to remind myself to slow down, pay attention, enjoy the moment. And even like you say, if it's just five minutes to sit down and draw it. It captures more for me emotionally than taking a picture. Oh, and, yeah. you know, my field notebooks, I mean, I don't know if you even really describe it as such, but I left like the UK in 2010, the end of 2010, and traveled basically for a decade uh, around the world before, set, you know, my settling in my beautiful place that I call home now. But I have books and it's it's sketches of, places i've been it's also got you know i guess you'd call it more like a scrapbook but it's got bus tickets and mm-hmm. bits of you've, you know receipts from things i've done and postcards but the most important bit in it is is the is the sketches that i've done and when i lived in norway above the arctic circle and oh gosh i've never seen such a diversity of like micro life in in the like low grasses and mosses and oh my goodness and the the fungi and so I just have drawings and drawings of 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 different fungi and I look back at this book and it I I am transported more than when I look at pictures of these landscapes my excellent digital camera on my phone it's Mm -hmm. like oh I remember sitting in this like gorse bush or I don't know what it was it was soft it was like sitting in a chair and then there'd be like wild, like Samberries berries or blueberries. Their version, the European version, over there. And I'd be eating and drawing, and it was quite spiritual, perhaps, of that connection to space and place, which is what I all of the teaching that I do is place based education. Right? It's yeah. rooted in where you are and what is special about it, and caring about it, and all of the passion that I have. For it comes from these moments where I have sat alone in an open field at the base of the edge of a fjord, with a two thousand meter mountain on my left and, and the Arctic Ocean on my right, and and cared and, and drawn it. I don't know. Your turn, because again, <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, we're wa- very much waxing poetic. I love it. I think I
1: also write poetry.
0: Ah. but
1: don't tell anyone i never show anyone but that's the other thing that i find as well is if you don't think you're an artist draw a shape look at it and then you can on on the adjoining page write a poem even if it's just three words or five words or whatever comes to mind and those f- things you write you come back to them years later and it will just be a you know, purest expression of your of your experience in that moment
0: well you could almost argue that's one of the definitions of poetry is capturing the essence of something and finding like economizing words and really getting it down to exactly the not just the right words but the right combination of words and syllables and how different is note-taking from poetry i would argue not particularly different
1: i i absolutely agree we are the Columbia Basin Environmental Education Network, or CB. You can visit our website at cbeen.ca. We are the Regional Network for Environmental Education in the Columbia Basin, supporting a community of engaged and effective environmental educators by connecting them to resources, information, professional development and networking opportunities stoked on science providing engaging educational and fun programs across the columbia basin is your school or organization looking to develop your environmental programming connect your outdoor time more deeply to the curriculum or engage your students or teachers with unique programs that go beyond the basic science topics like delving into the history of the earth how it's changed and where it's going if so visit www.stoked on science.com to connect for environmental education consulting or to book programs for your K to 12 and adult professional development courses. I've just had so many times that I've had students, I had a bunch of grade seven students and I got them to just draw a cross through the center of their page, they ended up with four segments and you know I asked them I wanted to think about zooming and scale. So I asked them to draw in the top left hand, like an area that they could see in front of them, like everything that they could see. So it was, Mm. you know, a few trees and a little open meadow leading into the forest. And then on the next one, I asked them to go in and to draw one tree. And then in the next box, they drew a zoom in of the bark texture. And then the final was in the furrows of the bark or like and and it was amazing to watch their brains like work through how to the representation of what they were seeing into their art and it was nothing to do with with again art skills it was thinking Mm -hmm. they were they were thinking and interpreting and and paying attention in the purest way and there's quite a rowdy class. This class, they mm-hmm. they, they want to be running around, climbing trees. They want to be jumping on bouncy logs and and doing spins off of of tree stumps. You know, like sick trick, dude. Um, and I've never seen. <laughs> I I'm down with the kids. Actually, I have all the lingo. Yeah, um, I see that. Yeah, uh, <laughs> they were transfixed, and you know, I'm obsessed with moss at the moment. Um, so I'm, I'm trying to get kids to do sketches of moss because they look like little trees when you get up close, a lot of them. Totally. Um, but I, oh, I honestly, I, again, could literally tell you a thousand stories, grade 12s, taking grade 12s on a biology biodiversity field trip, like prepping them for either college or, uh, work or an apprenticeship in like environmental science or forestry or whatever and getting them to to sketch. And actually, my husband, Alex, was, was co-leading with me and he's what I would call an artist, right? Mm. He actually draws things that look like what they're supposed to be. And he was getting these kids again who were like, oh, whatever, forcing me out. It's a bit rainy, a bit drizzly. They were maybe not so interested. And he got them to look down, forwards and up and they got them to draw the three separately, and then to draw one piece, bring them together, and, and you see, their, again, their brains, like, clicking, like, oh. Oh, I don't actually spend that much time looking up these days because my neck is permanently craned down to look at a screen. <laughs> and, like, it was, it was transformative watching them. Like, oh, that's quite a cool thing. And, oh, look, the undersides of these needles, they're different colours to the other side why is that you know it starts to to encourage the potential to pose questions
0: and I think there's also problem solving in the process of making those observations and especially recording it either in notes or drawings is much like in poetry as you're capturing the essence you're deciding which part will I keep which part will I not keep if you're doing a sketch of a mammal are you going to keep the background if so why how much Is it just a suggestion of the background for notes? If you're looking at a beetle, you know, a firefly, you know, fairly common type of beetle. What do you notice about it that really stands out? You know, what characterizes it? What does it feel like? Oh, it's a little softer shell. Okay, that's probably important because you've maybe not seen very many beetles with a softer shell and lo and behold, that's one of the big defining features of fireflies. So yeah, it's everything about this is like sleuthing and who doesn't like a good you know a good puzzle to solve
1: oh absolutely detectoring I don't think detectoring is a real word Um, it is now I've made it so but this is like the biggest thing for me about how subjects don't live in in isolation that everything is so cross-curricular if you're out in nature connecting art and often as well i lead on from art into drama like i get them to act out something or to play the animals or um and i've so much that i feel is in our digital age is lack of uh face-to-face communication skills i feel like those are some of the issues that are facing our younger yeah. generations yep. eye contact makes them uncomfortable Being their bodies, like, so much of their stuff goes through filters. I mean, talking the older kids, I guess. Younger kids, not quite there yet. But so much of it goes through filters or editing before it gets shown to the world. And so getting them when they're real... And in the moment, like the confidence that as well, like the outdoor stage has, because it's it's mm-hmm. bigger, right? There's more space. It's not so intense if you're sitting in a classroom and 20 kids are looking at you from six feet away. If you're out in a forest <laughs> clearing or I get you to hide behind trees and then I call out certain animals and they have to come out and have a face off of, over resources or whatever, whatever I'm doing <laughs> that day it's a, it's it's social it's emotional it's physical it's intellectual give your kid a field notebook get everyone for every student and chase go to a particular tree and and visit it once a month and sketch how it's changed do bark rubbings with a crayon draw the shape of three different leaves that you find in the forest and then ask the question why why are they different shapes What purpose, what colors are they? You can even label it. You can have one gray pencil and you can have dark green, light green, green with red bits. The possibilities are endless. Am I waxing lyrical again?
0: (laughs) Yes, but I love it. And it's so true and it's easy. And I think the debrief part of it is important. That's that's a really useful Mm. part of the field notebooks. It's not to say that everyone has to share everything that they've written, but something that they have observed. I think there's great Mm. value in that and it doesn't take much. You need a pencil and a notebook and that's it. It's simple.
1: (sighs) And yeah, again, don't have to have full literacy yet, you know, and it's just shapes. Nature has some quite nice shapes. Sure does. Thank you for listening to Earthy Chats, Fables from the Field. You can access all of the equipment we feature in the show at www.outdoorlearningstore.ca. We hope you enjoy your own field adventures this summer, take care. Told you the story about David Attenborough stole our Neanderthal bone. I no. went there with the university, and we were we were the paleontological part of our like paleoclimate reconstruction, which was actually the route that I focused in mm-hmm. afterwards. And um, we were going to see we were looking at early Herminians and we were going to see an actual like neanderthal bone and 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 some other bits of of skeleton that they were found and we were going into one of these private rooms and these private rooms are like look like you know the libraries of your dreams with just tiny little shelves and drawers up to the ceiling double height ceilings all in like mahogany wood and then we get there and they bring them out and they're like oh actually I'm really sorry but these are replicas because David Attenborough's filming in the next room with the real ones, for, and it was for one of the, the Human Planet documentaries. And I was, like, equally enraged, but also, like, oh, my God, David Attenborough is within breathing distance of in me. In the next room. And, <laughs> the next room. I mean, honestly, it was all I could take. I could see my professor, like, give me the eye, like, don't even think about it. Like, <laughs> oh, i just got to use the bathroom and then, like, sneak in and be like, David, I love you. But I don't, yeah, even I managed to be a good person. Be responsible.